following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our reading today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 23. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and I'll give you a few seconds to find it in your Bible. Jesus walks on the sea. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's great to be uh, with you this morning. I'm joining you from my uh, house here in Durham, and it's great to be opening up uh, God's word with you. Uh, Shall we just have a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for these stories of Jesus walking this earth. Thank you for them recorded for us, for our learning, our encouragement, our instruction. Lord, give us, we pray, uh, minds to understand, hearts to receive and imagine all that you would have us uh, learn and receive from you this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that's been really clear to me from talking and listening to people over the last few months has been that the experiences we've had since the beginning of lockdown at the end of March have been very, very different. I've spoken to people who've loved it, who've appreciated the peace and quiet, time with family, being furloughed from work. Others have found themselves working harder than ever and are quite frankly shattered. Others have lost their jobs or find themselves really uncertain about the future for themselves or perhaps a business where they're involved. One of the challenges for us all at St Nick's is to recognise that among us, all those stories are represented. So I don't want to suggest that the following experience has been common to everybody, but I I do suggest that many of us will have missed physical contact 
with other people over this lockdown period. It's been wonderful uh, to see familiar faces on the screen here at St Nick's and at Zoom Coffee afterwards, but it would be even nicer to see a real face, a, a real body, over a real cup of coffee. I had a week uh, down south uh, a while back, catching up in a suitably socially distanced way with members of my family. And it was just so special to see them physically the first time since Christmas. Uh, we FaceTimed and spoken every week, but there was a strill, still a strong sense of physical distance being replaced by physical proximity, with all the sense of emotional connection and intimacy that that involves. I mention this because in today's passage from Matthew's Gospel, I think there's a similar move going on. Uh, we can miss it all amidst all the drama of Peter's descent into the waves, but I think Matthew is telling us a story of Jesus moving from being physically distant to reaching out, touching and sitting down with his disciples. And as that story unfolds, I think we can catch some valuable glimpses of how we might encounter Jesus ourselves, wherever we find ourselves in this coronavirus world and whatever our story is. So I'm gonna suggest we, we look at three scenes, if you like, from this story, three little kind of vignettes as this story unfolds. It'd be helpful if you have a Bible open as we explore this passage together, because I'm gonna suggest that the first scene I'm calling Jesus withdraws. Jesus withdraws, that's verses 22 to 24. The second, I'm calling Jesus appears, verses 25 to 27, Jesus appears. And the third is Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and that's in verses 28 to 33. If you're joining us here at St Nick's this morning, just to explore Christian faith, perhaps you've found us online, or perhaps you're somebody who's just working out if the Christian faith is for you, I wanna say you're really welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope this sermon just helps you realize what the good news is that God comes close to us in Jesus. If you're someone who's been walking in faith for a while, I hope you'll be encouraged that when times are tough, Jesus can still come alongside. So first of all, Jesus withdraws, verses 22 to 24. So the scene is this. Jesus has just fed the crowd of 5,000 plus on the eastern shores of the Sea of Galilee. And then he does something rather odd. He makes the disciples leave in the boat straight away while he dismisses the crowd on his own. Now we can speculate on the reasons for this. Perhaps Jesus can see that the, the night is beginning to fall and the disciples need to sail or row back to Capernaum, which is on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, where they were based. And that was a journey probably against the prevailing wind that could easily take a couple of hours. What is certain is that Jesus ends up physically distanced from his disciples. Matthew says that Jesus went up a mountainside to pray and then paints the picture in really stark colours as he says at the end of verse 23. When evening came he, Jesus, was there alone but the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. You see the contrast could not be sharper. Jesus on his own safe on terra firma 
in prayer to his heavenly father and then the disciples drifting out into the middle of the sea of galilee tossed around by a storm that blows up from out of nowhere in that area something that i've experienced for myself it's dark and although many of them were experienced fishermen it would still have been terrifying well we're not told but it would be entirely understandable if the disciples were thinking why did jesus send us out in this if he could multiply the loaves and the fishes could he not see a storm coming and where is he anyway when we need him now we might usefully put ourselves in both sets of shoes in this scene we'll do well to learn from jesus about the value of putting time aside to find a quiet time to pray it's something that Jesus is recorded as doing a, a number of times and Christians over the centuries have been inspired by his example to embrace, for some of them, to embrace the monastic life in, in a desert or somewhere. But for many others, simply to find a, a quiet place every day or every week to pray and be with God. So we can learn from putting ourselves in Jesus' shoes. But we'll also do well to learn from getting into the boat with the disciples and just feeling their fear and anxiety and perhaps even their confusion and grumbling. At the very least, we might note that for these followers of Jesus, rubbish happened, not because they were disobeying Jesus, but because they were doing as they were told. In other words, bad things happened to good followers of Jesus. The life of discipleship is not a life where we are protected from the vagaries or brokenness or trials of life. We might say with Martha, if you had been here, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. But the reality is otherwise. And we might register also that in those times, Jesus may feel far away. How must it felt for the disciples who had given up so much to walk closely with Jesus to find that in their moment of need he was somewhere else? And how does it feel to us when we go through trial or grief or loss or anxiety and Jesus feels miles away, up a mountain, while we're being tossed about? One of the common laments of the psalmist in the Old Testament is that not only are bad things happening, but that she's experiencing them on her own. The apocryphal story of footprints, you might know it, which has Jesus carrying us in tough times, may ring true for some of us for some of the time. But in this little vignette of faith, this story of faith, the disciples are struggling on their own. It's not an entirely comfortable truth but it would seem that Jesus sometimes sends us out into the storm and to some extent we must face it on our own. My experience of tough times is sometimes that when I don't sense Jesus close by me in those times, I can put over all my struggles an extra layer of guilt as well. Proper Christians don't think of Jesus as far away. Perhaps this scene in Matthew's Gospel suggests that isn't necessary. Sometimes you face the storm really feeling that you're on your own. So that first scene might be entitled Jesus withdraws. And the second scene in verses 25 to 27 might be called Jesus appears. 
Because the truth is that Jesus does not leave his disciples on their own. While he sent them into the storm on their own, he doesn't leave them there on their own. Matthew tells us in verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. There are two things to notice about this appearance of Jesus. First, it inspires awe on the part of the disciples. Matthew says in verse 26 that when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They think it's a ghost and they scream with fear. Small wonder. Now, now we might think, you see, that walking on water is exactly what Jesus would do, but we've read the whole story. We know he can raise from, be raised from the dead. For the disciples, here is someone where the truth of who he is, is is simply being unveiled as they get to know him. And here they see him as somebody for whom thundering waves hold no terror. As Bishop J.C. Ryle so eloquently puts it, those angry waves which toss the ship of his disciples to and fro obey the Son of God and become a solid floor under his feet. That liquid surface which was agitated by the least breath of, brin breath of wind bears up the feet of our Redeemer like a rock. It was an awe-inspiring sight, a sight which blew their minds and churned up their hearts. Here was someone who had authority over the most primeval forces of creation. If they were terrified by the waves, how much more were they by the one who had even more power than the waves. But if the appearance of Jesus inspires awe, second, it also negates fear. Because as Jesus sees the disciples' reaction, his response is one of comfort. Straight away, he says as we read in verse 27, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus does not mean his appearance for fear, but for comfort. He, he doesn't want the disciples to retreat in fear. He wants them to attend to him, to see him for who he is and to draw near. He wants them to look to him and not to the waves. It is I. Do not be afraid. I, I think we can describe this awe-inspiring appearance of Jesus as the sort of appearance which invites and not repels. You see, divine appearances are often terrifying things. Just think of the Christmas story where pretty much all the main characters are told at some point or another not to be afraid. Well, this week the church has marked the feast of the Transfiguration, that moment when Jesus was revealed in all his glory up on the mountain. And the response of the disciples to that divine manifestation of glory? From Matthew 17, verse 6, they fell down on the ground, terrified. Same thing. But again, listen to the very next verse. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. If one of the key tasks of the Christian life is to keep looking to Jesus, and I think it is, that means both seeing him in all his majesty and power and beauty and purity, but it also means hearing those words, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You see, among ancient religions, this was unprecedented stuff. 
The gods of the Greco-Roman world were capricious, jealous, not to be trifled with. Uh, if they turned up, you didn't know how they were going to behave. Here we have the true God appearing in power, but saying to those who look to him, don't be afraid. Look to me and fear not. I use the icon behind me in my prayers every day, simply to remind me to keep looking to Jesus in his majesty and his beauty, but also as the one who invites me and who says, don't be afraid. The words in Greek in the book that Jesus is holding say, come to me, all who are weary and are heavy burdened, and I will refresh you. When Jesus appears, we're invited to look to him in all his power and yet not be afraid. Jesus withdraws, Jesus appears. The third scene I want to look at in verses 28 to 33 under the heading, Jesus saves. Because we now come to possibly the most memorable scene of the story as Peter walks on the water only to begin to drown. I have to say, I don't find it very easy to know exactly what to make of this story. It's a real one-off in the New Testament. I mean, for example, I'm always struck by the fact that when the Apostle Paul was facing a shipwreck and a storm, he doesn't try and do the same thing. He doesn't think, oh, will this work for Peter? I'll give it a go. There's clearly something about looking more at the waves than at Jesus. But I can't pretend to explore all of that little story this morning. I just want to look at the response of Jesus to Peter's words as he begins to sink and he says those words, Lord save me. Matthew tells us in verse 31 that immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. So Jesus does what Peter asks. He saves him from the terror that is before him. From being far up on a mountain, he's now literally within touching distance of his beloved disciple. And what Jesus does for Peter, he then does for the other disciples. In verse 32, we read that he comes close, gets into the boat with the disciples and the wind dies down. They are saved from the storm. He's not up a mountain. He's not a figure on the lake. He's next to them and they are saved. There's something very natural and reassuring about this verbal request of Peter and I think the unspoken request of his disciples save me he says on the one hand save us on the other is what they're feeling I think and Jesus does now we often think that salvation means being forgiven of our sins restored to a relationship with God adopted into a new family and it does that is the heart of New Testament salvation but the salvation that Jesus offers here seems also to be what we might call an everyday salvation as well. A response to a cry in crisis. Lord, save me. I wonder if you've ever found yourself uttering those words or, or perhaps something like them. In the middle of the night when the future seems as dark as the world outside. Lord, save me. In the midst of temptation, when the easy thing is to yield and give in to the tempter's lies. Lord, save me. 
in the uncertainty of a Covid world where plans unravel as soon as they are made. Lord save me. The Bible does not promise that every storm will be stilled, but it does promise that Jesus will draw near. When we even whisper those words, Lord save me, we are inviting Jesus to come close. And if we put out our hand, he will take it. And if we make room for him in the boat, he will come and sit down with us. Meaning that whatever we face, we do not face it alone. And so we end the story with Jesus with the disciples. Having taken Peter by the hand, he now sits in the boat reunited with those who follow him and they respond in the only way possible in worship seeing Jesus for who he is. I think it is one of the most wonderful fantastic or inspiring bits of the Christian faith is that God has drawn near and close to his world. The big word for that is incarnation and we celebrate it at Christmas as the infinite God became finite in Jesus, the powerful God becoming dependent. But here we see in this story that truth at a, at a smaller scale, a distant Jesus coming close to his disciples, showing his power yet not to scare them off, but inviting them to reach out. And he comes close, close enough to touch and sit with them. It is good news, wonderful news, that Jesus has saved us. Saved us from our sins by dying on the cross. Saved us from death by rising to new life. But it is also wonderful news that Jesus continues that salvation work day by day, meeting us in our need and drawing close to us. Whatever our story has been over the last few months, and whatever it will be in the time to come, we're invited this morning to see Jesus for who he is, inspiring awe, but inviting us to a relationship. A relationship where we can put out our hands and say, in the middle of the night or the brightest dawn, Lord save me. And in being with us, next to us, he will. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.